What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the RC Dirt Oval Podcast. Wow, it's been a long time. <clears throat> it's been most of the summer. Um, I think we did an episode not long after Motorama, so that would have been early spring, right at the start of COVID. But <clears throat> we're back. It's been a crazy summer. I've made all of two races. <sighs> yeah, and you know, with uh, everything going on, uh, COVID, and then you know, it's just not been much racing nationally. Not been much um, new and exciting products for dirt oval drag racing is the, the hot new thing, which I'm I'm glad to see. I'm just glad to see RC in general still still thriving. Uh, Chili Bowl sold out again record time 500 plus entries so still plenty of interest in dirt oval it's just been been weird not much to talk about um <clears throat> quite honestly i enjoyed having a break uh being forced on the sidelines for a while um i'd kind of realized that i had gotten uh, maybe a little too deep and was on the verge of burnout uh, especially following motorama so uh, taking some time off was was definitely beneficial. Um, but yeah, I'm back. Uh, hopefully, I'm not going to make any promises of how regular episodes will be. I, I do know that they'll, they'll be coming. Um, but they're going to be much more of when it's fun for me, when it suits for me, when it suits my family. Uh, we've just got so much going on. You know, we officially have a, a toddler now. Uh, she was more of a baby last time we recorded. But full-on toddler, and uh, she's into everything, so that makes it a challenge. And just life in general is uh, just changing. Um, my wife and I are uh, planning a church, and uh, so that's taking up a lot of time. I'm basically working two jobs now. Um, but we're loving it. We're having fun, so that's all good. Uh, tonight's guest um, has been on the show a couple times before. And I uh, just wanted to add a, a personal story about it. Um, you know, as as uh, I took a break, um, you know, part of me was like, well, I wonder, you know, who of my RC friends I'll still hear from, right? That's always something um, that, you know, I have in the back of my head anyway. And I, I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I've stayed in contact with most of my companies and, um the amount of people that have like, oh, when's the next episode coming? And, you know, hey, man, how's it going? You've been able to do any racing or anything? That's been really awesome. Um, but surprisingly, uh, during this downtime, I've made some some uh, friendships. Uh, or We were friends before, but now I, I would consider us uh, truly friends with a lot of RC racers. And, uh, you know, they weren't racing, I weren't racing, but we found things to stay connected over and um you know it's evolved way beyond rc and uh you know i know what their kids are into they know what you know my kids are into and so it's um it's a cool thing it's it's good to see <sighs> that you know uh, the friendships go well beyond rc and so one of those people um is uh dustin malicote he's going to be jumping on here in a little bit and um you know, honestly, I caught a ton of crap uh, from people within the industry. Oh, you're, you know, you're in Dustin's pocket and this, that, and the other. And, 
you know, you, the, the show is just becoming a commercial for GFRP and this, that, and the other. And, you know, the, the, the truth is, it's just, um, you know, I, I can honestly say we've become friends and um, he's one of the people that I talk to quite often about RC along with a, a bunch of others. And uh, he and I share a lot of the same views on RC and uh, how it can grow and, and what's hurting it and how to make it better. And uh, I like his insight from a manufacturing standpoint. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he, he's stood the test of time where other companies have kind of drifted off and faded away. He's still cranking out products and, you know, diversifying his uh, production portfolio, if you would, and making new things. So that's always cool and encouraging. And um, so, yeah, you know, uh, he's uh, <laughs> he definitely has a love-hate um, relationship with a lot of other people. Um, but, you know, honestly, the more I've got to know him, I, I joke with him a lot. I'm like, man, you keep, in, you keep acting like a nice guy. People are going to actually learn that you, you know, you really are a nice guy and you're not this uh, uh, jerk that people think you are at the races. And uh, so hopefully uh, tonight's uh, episode, interview, what have you, um, you know, hopefully you enjoy it. If you don't, you know what, catch the next episode. Somebody else will be on and, and maybe that's more your cup of tea. Um, but yeah, so uh, without, without waiting any longer, let's get him on the line and see what's going on. joined with the uh, the one and only team gfrp five seven designs uh man myth legend uh rc track jerk i think what other names he has associated with him um but i think that's good enough to start what's up dustin malicote <laughs> not a whole lot how are you <laughs> man yeah i'm 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 good i'm i'm odd i've not done this in so long i'm not sure i remember how to do it um but we're just going to wing it and uh go full send right sounds like a plan to me cool so uh it's probably been a year or more since you've been on here and let's see you've released a drag car you've um what else have you done? Oh, you, well, you so you had a 2020 Prodigy, and then the 2020 GFRP cars, and that Aero drag car. Anything else I'm missing? Hmm. I don't think so. I guess I had the 2020 SA one. Yep. Uh, with the GFRP line. Um, no, I think that's probably about it. Let's, yeah. Okay. So as soon as, as soon as I guess urban coat, we'll have a 20, 
2021 podium, I guess. Oh. Class 7 design. All so, right. Any big changes on that? To get them. <clears throat> no, actually, it's a very small update, really. It's just, we just changed some stuff on the chassis itself. Okay. Uh, shorten the wheelbase up a little bit. Um, put a little bit more clearance in the left rear for people running insane amounts of toe in. Um, I don't know, some other stuff. So, not go. a ton of different stuff, but just a little bit. All right, some tweaks, some tweaks. I dig it. Uh, so, explain to me um, the drag car. As far as? <laughs> well, uh, number one, why did you get into drag cars? And um, number two, how, how are you enjoying that industry? Uh, how I got into it, um, basically I just saw the market growing in it and it just looked to me like it was similar to, um, kind of like the short course market was at one point where it was a lot of people spending a ton of money on a car and having to go through a bunch of different channels to build a car. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of felt like I could probably do the same thing. Um, with it that I did with a prodigy and just release a car that was just kind of a one-stop shop and be able to buy a full car kit and move on. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I got started in it. And then, um, Greg Bridgewater, um, from Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. he, he owns a company called undercover, um, I don't know if it's Undercover Wings, Undercover RC. I don't really know exactly what it is. I know he, he, Undercover was kind of his thing. He has his bodies for the short course stuff and the um, Midwest mods, and then he does some drag car stuff. And he was pretty big into the drag car deal. Yep. So I talked to him about it. I was like, here's my idea. Do you think it'd work? And he said, yes, it would. So that's kind of what we did. We just started from scratch and built a car. Yeah, and uh, I remember you brought it to uh, the 2019 Chili Bowl and tested with it, which was fun. Greg was out there. Um, it was good times. It was actually the 2020 Chili Bowl, wasn't yeah. it? Yes, it was. Sorry. Yeah, it was this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so we took my wild idea, <laughs> which was uh, completely rear hinged car with a shock as a torque arm and everything else and quickly realized that I could very much overcomplicate the system really quick. Right. Um, so we kind of, kind of did away with that design right away. Um, but I think it was, it was probably a good thing that I did that because it got the attention of a ton of people. Um, so then they were like, they were definitely interested in what we were doing after that. Um, and it's odd because nobody really asked for that design after we came out with the, the original, like what we ended up having for the production version. Right. Nobody's really said anything about the other one. So kind of worked out. Um, it was kind of like a shock and awe effect of people looking at it and saying, man, that's really cool. Who in the heck are these people right. and what are they doing? And, uh, then we were able to provide a car and yeah, we've, been pretty successful with it as far as uh, 
selling them. Um, mm-hmm. They've been very successful. I would say on the track, but I guess it's more like in the streets yeah. um, kind of deal. Um, so yeah, they've been, it's been, been good. Are, are you going to revisit the original uh, design and idea you had? You know, I thought about it, but with the amount of tire prep now mm-hmm. that seems to be being used in the no prep world, right? Um, and then just the the tires that the companies are providing. Yeah, and I mean now they're making the ultra wide tires and just like they have so much grip mm-hmm. that I don't think the original design that I have <clears throat> was is really needed. Like the original design was basically to make grip, right? Um, because everybody acted like you couldn't get them hooked up, right? And I mean now guys, I know guys that are running three five motors in them. Yeah, so ridiculous. like if you're if you're straight up putting three five motors in them, then that's you're not going to have, you don't, you don't need to be making grip. <laughs> you have right, grip. Right. You're hooking him um, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, it's like, I got a guy that has one of our cars up in uh, Michigan and, and his goal is to make it run 80 mile an hour and 132 feet. And Shoot. he's been over 75 mile an hour with it several times. He was the first guy that got into the one second range with a, uh, I think a 1.89 is his quickest pass that he's ran with one so far. So, oh I mean, it, yeah, it, it's it's unreal, like, especially for me, because I just don't, I mean, I'm not a drag racer myself. Right. Um, so I'm re- I'm relying on a lot of people to, to help me, guide me, and yep. teach me, basically, with these things. Because not only am I not a drag racer myself, the time that I would have to actually spend drag racing myself um i don't really have anywhere good to go run it and mm-hmm. i mean there's some people around me that do it um but not on the scale that they're doing it in say oklahoma or michigan or california or arizona or north carolina mm-hmm. there's like it's just little pockets everywhere of them mm-hmm. and i think there's like a group around me but they're they're running like completely different type of cars and not really even running no prep cars from my understanding. So gotcha. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's weird because it's, I'm relying so much on other people to give me feedback and then just have to process it and, and go in from there. Okay. So we're going to, um, we're going to put a timestamp <laughs> here and we're going to record this. And, um, for all the people that have said that you're an arrogant know-it-all, um, that, that proves that wrong. You said you, you're having to listen to other people and take their advice. So um, that's point one for Dustin, uh, zero point for the haters. <laughs> so um, moving on, I, I've noticed because um, I've, I've been following it and I've uh, been following some of the groups and the drag racers are not without their drama, but it's been an entirely different vibe than the dirt oval. And and what I mean by that is I haven't heard, Oh, you're killing uh, no prep drag racing or um, uh, you name things that have been said about the different things of dirt oval. Well, okay. You know, when you, you came out with a second chassis for the drag car, different thickness, 
and uh, mm-hmm. there wasn't like, oh my gosh, my car's junk now. You know, it was honestly like, <laughs> oh, boom, it's sold out. Oh, crap. Okay. Like, people were just like, yeah, it's a tuning option. Cool. Let's get it. Um, so, from an outsider looking in, that's what I've seen. What, what's What's been your take on the, the drag racing scene? It's It's a completely different world. So, yes, they have drama, but I think most of their drama is, that I've seen, is is more, like, people talking trash about one another. Yes. It's creating the drama there. Yeah. Um, Or, or they're saying that, oh, well, you're racing on this surface, and you're racing on that surface, and you have this timing system, and that timing system's junk, Mm -hmm. and this is Mm -hmm. the only one you can go off of. So it's like, it's all that. It's, right. it's more of a pissing contest than anything, from what I can tell. Yeah, they're, and it's they're, like, they're trying to make it like uh, Tommy Burgess's favorite show, the, the Street Outlaw thing, you know, where it's all about who's faster and this, that, and the other. Which is yeah. cool, right? Like, that's, what, that's why they're doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's, and that's uh, the appeal, I think, for a lot of people. Yep. Um, but as far as, like, option parts and and improving a platform like man the dirt oval crowd would be like head hunting me <laughs> if i released the car and then two months later was like hey here is a whole new chassis combo and a new whatever to go with it so like with the drag car you know we came out with this car Tons of people get it, and say fifty percent of them are like, "Man, this is the most awesome thing I've ever had." Mm-hmm. And then the other fifty percent are saying, "Man, this thing is junk. What did I buy, and how can I fix it?" Here's my suggestions on how to fix it. Right. And then so I take those suggestions and I say, "All right, here you guys go. Here's a thicker chassis plate so it doesn't twist. Here's thicker side rails so it doesn't twist. Mm-hmm. Here's a long, longer wheelie bar so it's more controlled." Uh, here's different options of thicknesses for all of these. Right. And and they're all like, sweet, can I buy it? Like, I, I want to buy it now. Like, let take my money type of situation. Right. And, and even today, like, you know, like this week we sold, we've sold cars that are just bone stock, two and a half mil cars that are just normal. And then we've also sold cars that are, you know, four millimeter thick with the thick chassis, the thick side rails, the long wheelie bar, the thicker rear shock tower, you know, things that some people say are must-haves and then other people are saying you're wasting your money. Right. So it's just such a wide variety of what works. And I think the difference in, in like, the no-prep deal versus, like, Dirt Oval specifically is... In the no prep deal, there's so many different places that are racing mm-hmm. that nobody knows anybody. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the big shots in, in no prep racing, like, there's tons of them because they have big events, but it's so new that there's not, there's nobody's really established themselves in my eyes as the guy that's going to go win the national event or the big event all the time. Yeah. There's, they don't have, there's no, they don't have the, 
Yeah, yeah. There's no Nathan Dean. There's no Max Fleur. There's no Mark Corns. There's no, you know, Arnie Fi. All these guys that we have from from the dirt oval world, right? Um, <clears throat> that are just going to go in and you know, going there, those guys are going to be fast. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have those people looking at it and going, "Well, I want what he has." And you know, in the dirt oval world, a lot of guys they can't get what those guys have in their minds because they feel like, oh, well, those guys are getting special stuff, which at times is true, but for the most part, that's not true. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, so from that standpoint, like they're not basing their car's performance based off of matching parts or a setup from this Greek god of, no prep. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think that that's like the biggest difference <clears throat> with, with that side of it and why we don't necessarily see the pushback. Now we've gotten some people that are like, dude, I just bought this car. And then two days later, you release this upgrade for me that I'm going to have to buy separate, you know, and you know, like we take those case by case and we've helped out some people. Are like, yeah. I realized you just bought this thing. <laughs> We didn't know when we were going to get the website updated. So it's really, you know, you're always going to have that situation of, well, I just bought this and two days later this was released or this was announced. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, it is what it is. It's going to happen in every aspect of of everything. Um, So we try to help out those guys as much as we possibly can because I've been on that side of it as well. Right. Um, But, yeah, for the most part, the drag car guys are way more drama-free whenever it comes to <laughs> um, updating things and yeah. the haves and the have-nots. Like, I, I don't, I just don't hear it yeah. from them yeah. like we do the Dirt Oval guys. And it's, it's ironic to me, right, because when I first got into Dirt Oval when I was a kid, you know, everything was homemade or modified. Um, very rarely did you see like a complete sprint car that somebody bought from a company and it was all, you know, everybody's stuff was different. It was all about learning and trying different things and seeing what worked and what didn't. And that was like what was expected. It was what was cool. It's what was, you know, for a lot of people appealing. Now it's you buy a kit and the kit is the kit and you run it. Um, but if somebody comes along and they're trying their own thing, especially if it's a company and the person doesn't have access to it, they get really bent, you know, but they don't understand that, you know, those guys are out trying that stuff to make sure it works before they sell it because they know daggone well if they sell it and it's not working then the people are going to cry about it not working. So they've really created this system of, it having to be tested before it's sold and they don't like it. And they need yeah. And I mean, if, and if anybody wants any further proof, look at my results from the showdown. So this year, the showdown, foam tire race at, at go fast raceway in Attica, Indiana that Mark Corns puts on, yep. um, you know, it, it's one of the better foam tires that, tire events that we have i won it last year mm-hmm. um and actually ironically 
the a car pretty much identical to how I had mine set up last year. Um, won it this year. Hmm. I was on something completely new that looks completely different. Um, that had a whole lot of people like looking at it going, oh, what are you doing there? Like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how really cool was it? I think I qualified like 16th or 17th or something like that. Right. Um, granted, I haven't raced really since March mm-hmm. and, um, my tire situation wasn't that great, but honestly, the car really wasn't that great either. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, People don't understand that, yeah, for all the successful cars that we have, <laughs> we probably have five to ten prior to that that are not. Right. Or, you know, just ideas that just flat don't work. Right. Um, you know, it's like the car that I have. It, it's, there's things that it does that I really like, and there's things about it that I really dislike. Um, I've only had it on one track, though, so now I need to go race it at a couple other places and see what it's going to do. Um, and see if it's a track thing, is it a car thing, or is it just a me figuring out how to drive 2.9 second laps again thing? Yeah. So, you know. Well, and it, the thing, the thing I've learned as well is that um, for a company that's selling a product, um, you also have to have a product that is usable by most people. Um, yes. Oh, Big time. Yeah. And yeah. We, we, we had that scenario. I forget which GFRP car it was. I don't even remember at this point, but we had a car and it was like really, really good right. in certain people's hands. But the tuning window on that car was so narrow that it just, like, I basically, we came out with another version of it within a year, if I remember right. It was, uh, I want to say it was our GFRP, the, the Havoc 2.0 car. Okay. Um, like, it was, it was really good, like I said, in certain people's hands. Um, but it was, it was, man, it was a sheer cliff. You weren't on. It was way off. So... Yeah. So I think that car, I mean, it was like eight to 12 months and we released a 2.1 version of it just because, uh, people can't, people can't, they, they, they literally just couldn't use it. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and I, the know, masses couldn't use it. Exactly. I know at the 2020 Chili Bowl, I talked to some people that had some unique cars and, um, they had some special things on them for adjustment and everything else that uh, in a normal average driver's hands would just mess them up more than it would help them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. I mean, that's one of those things that I know it was homemade. And if, um, you know, if people want it, then get out the Dremel and, and, and do their own version of it. But don't get mad because somebody won't sell it to them. There's there's reasons. Trust me. There's nobody I know that has a business that doesn't want to sell a product. So if they're not selling it, there's a reason. Uh, yes, yes. <clears throat> All right. 100%. So, um, 
Let's see how to start this next part. So, uh, <laughs> COVID hit uh, coronavirus, and uh, I know yep. a bunch of us were, you know, quarantined or isolated or uh, whatever, flatten a curve, whatever the word was, and and we were all kind of stuck at home. Restaurants weren't open, and wasn't much to do. So, I picked up an old hobby that I used to be into, and that's um, uh, computer gaming, and um, started playing Call of Duty Warzone, and uh, somehow found out you were playing it and a bunch of other RC racers. So, we all started playing it together over the summer, um, and I tell you, it opened my eyes to a statement that I've heard thrown a hundred times from RC racers. And that is, uh, well, the, the general statement is, uh, we need to get kids off video games and get them out here racing. And here's what I come to learn. I can, um, if I want to race uh, for one car, I have two to four hours prep on that car, tires, everything else before I show up to the track. And then for a normal club night, I'm going to occupy minimum four hours, normally closer to six, and get, let's be generous and say for one car, I'm going to get 20 to 25 minutes track time. Now, the alternative of that is I can walk into my office, turn my computer on, jump in a video game, play with hundreds of other people, just as competitive. Uh, just as um, fun and exciting. I can play as long as I want, turn the computer off, walk away, and I know that the next time I want to do this activity, I, all I have to do is walk back in and turn it on. And I know, Dustin, through conversations that you have a similar thing, because um, you just recently did a big race where you had a, lot of time invested in it so uh here's here's the ultimate question are people like us that are looking at rc racing uh, as too long of a time investment for the return of actual racing or is there a problem with RC racing, specifically Dirt Oval for this conversation, as we know it. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> I would say there's a there's definitely a problem with, with the formula of RC racing in general. Let alone, you know, if we're just going to talk about Dirt Oval, for sure. Um, it's the amount of the amount of time you have to spend just a lot, not even count like prepping the car, fixing it, working on it, not, not even including the stuff that you got to do at the home, mm -hmm. but just your RC racing day for most tracks to me is simply too long. Um, I have challenged a few different track owners in the past couple of years to try to make it you now you have your diehard guys and your your guys that they want to go spend that much time at a track. So there's <laughs> right, there's right. guys that like that to me to them 
they want to leave at eight o'clock in the morning and get home at midnight. Yep. Um, that's fun for them. Yep. And that's great. That's great for them. But believe me, I love the fact that we have those. I used to be one of those. Um, I have kids now that are active in sports. I coach, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I have a wife, I have house projects, I have all this other stuff. So for me to just devote that much time into it, for me to personally just go race anymore, it's hard to do. And I know a lot of other people are that way, especially with kids um, who are active in anything. It doesn't matter what they're active in. If you're active in, you know, you could be active in, in cheer and uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, you could be active in sports of any kind, um, you know, music, any, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's like we consume ourselves with that. So, so therefore, our, our time is very valuable. And I know from, like, my kid's standpoint, um, you know, they used to like going to the RC track, but you know, I've asked them recently, hey, you want to go? And they're like, uh, we're going to be over there all day? <laughs> well, yeah. And they're like, no thanks. Yeah. They would rather, you know, be on their phone or be on the Xbox or hang out with their friends or do their sport or whatever they're doing. Um, so, like, I challenge tracks to, to come up with a race day that's one, two classes. You're in and out of there in, like, two hours' time. Mm-hmm. Treat it like, okay, we don't have, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, you have soccer practice from 6 to 7.30. Right. Well, on Tuesday night, we're going to go RC race from 6 to 8. Yep. Okay. Like, that's that's a reasonable thing that somebody can do. And a lot of people look at it from the RC industry and go, well, there's no way you could fit a show in in two hours. Yeah, you can. Yep. You can fit, not only can you fit a show in, you can fit a good show with a ton of laps if you do it right. Oh, for sure. Now, where people have to realize is not everybody's going to have a class to pick in then. And you might be in the B main, and you might even be in the C main on a weekly because the only way to make it happen is very limited and a short program. Yep. I mean, to me, that's the direction we need to try to figure out how to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whenever you're talking big national events, I get it. Those are going to be big, long, drawn-out shows. Sure. Um, do they have to be? I don't know. Maybe you can come up with a way that they're not, but I. that's a deal. I'm more interested in trying to fix, like, not even fix, but just help out local racing so... I can justify it to my 14-year-old daughter who actually does genuinely like racing RC cars. She said that she wished, I, we were talking about it two weeks ago. She's like, yeah, I wish I had time to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she just hit the nail on the head. She doesn't. Ha- she realizes she doesn't have the time to do it because she is very active in sports. She was a freshman. She was on the varsity soccer team. You know, two weeks after varsity season's over, um, now she's doing club soccer right now, three days a week, because she's got college showcases coming up. Right. Um, so three three days a week of that, plus your homework and everything else, she would 
pretty much just rather sit on our butt and do absolutely nothing for 12 hours versus going to an RC track for six of that 12. Oh, sure. Sure. So, and I don't blame her. I would too. <laughs> hey, look, man. So, my, I think my, that, I think that's where we are. My 13 year old, um, used to race, used to love it. Um, but he's given it up now for doing airsoft because he, you know, when he goes to an airsoft event, they're usually four hours. They play 30 minutes, take a 10 minute break, go right back, play another 30. So his, his four hours that he's there, it's legitimately doing what he went to do. Um, and you know, we just, we had our end of the year race here and, um, you know, I was looking around at the average age of the attendees, and I would say the average age was probably pushing 50. Um, and I just don't know if when, you know, people our age or older, and that's generally what makes up a lot of the RC racers, when they start to get to the place where they can't go racing, I don't know who's going to be there to carry it on. Um and that's just the truth with, with the options that are available today. Like I, a year ago, the guys that were like, oh, I'm going to do iRacing. I really didn't get it. I totally get it now. I 100% get it. And I refuse. I've got a computer that will run it. I refuse to buy the wheel and the pedals and all that because I know if I started, I'd probably never go back to an RC track uh, for that simple reason to be able to walk up, turn it on, do it, shut it down, and go right back to life as normal. Um, so I've challenged my local track of like, Hey, let's try a, a off night and let's just run sprint cars. You get one practice, one heat, run the mains, no bump ups. We keep points. And then at the end of the year, we do, um, a big race and the, the qualifying is staged by your points. And so, um, he said he's interested. So we'll see. Hopefully. COVID is done and forgot about by then. We can have a normal season next year and um, see what we can come up with. But, um, yeah, when when we have a hobby that we're wanting, and I know, I, I genuinely know that most people want to see this hobby carry on, you know, more than five to ten years down the road. But when the average age is, you know, pushing 50, I don't, I don't know if it will. So something has to change. It's going to take some people with some some brass tacks, if you would, to uh, try some radical things and see if it sticks. And to circle back to our first topic, I think that's part of the appeal of the no prep drag racing. Um, I know guys that say they, they go out and don't even take a, a charger with them. You know, they go out, do their hits, you know, there for two hours, go home, and it's a done deal. And I'm like, man, that's appealing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And it, it is, and I agree. I, I was sitting there, as you were talking about that, I, like, I was thinking about, thinking back whenever I started racing RC cars, which was in, you know, 99 with mm -hmm. carpet oval stuff. Um, and there were a lot of people doing it that were in their 20s. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like there was a few that were doing it that were still like in their teens or younger or whatever. Um, there are a lot of kids in their twenties. I mean, I I can off the top of my head could probably name 
10, 15 guys that raced at Hobbytown that were in their 20s that were, you know, college age or just out of college or high school age, you know, kind of later teens, mm-hmm. early to mid-20s um, doing it. Um, man, like, I look at the tracks now, a lot of them that I go to, and that's a demographic that we don't have a ton of. I, w- I would say that that demographic has pushed pushed up about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, now you have people that were introduced into it. Maybe they were, maybe they were the guys that were really young at that age, you know, in the early 2000s that now are in their thirties and they're coming back to it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that the age is definitely getting older. It's an older group now than what I feel like it was whenever I got into it. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of that I think is because they just, there's so many more options today that are just, that are easy. I mean, oh, gosh, it's yeah. an easy option. I mean, like you said, sitting down playing some games of Call of Duty or playing, you know, iRacing. You know, I used to be into iRacing. I used to do it a lot. Um, mm-hmm whenever iRacing first came out, I was, you know, I was a beta tester for iRacing. Right. So, you know, it's, I was there in the very beginning of it. Um, you know, we were racing R factor with dirt weight models and dirt sprint cars with leagues and stuff like that back then. Um, right. you know, and it's, and I look at, so even within iRacing and like call of duty, like I look at those as, one is a complete time drain and then the other I can do casually. Like I know what it takes to be good and to enjoy eye racing. Mm-hmm. And I know that I don't have the time to dedicate to that right, because, right. because it's like you sit down and you're going to sit down there and you're going to sit down there for a while to practice and then to get your set up and then to race. So it's, it's a big time drain in comparison. And I play call of duty several hours you know i mean it's, it's like i'll sit down hours um but but within call of duty like i can play a game whenever i get home from work yeah. and play one or two games right um well we played uh two games earlier today yep. and then before we're doing this podcast i i went to the school i did my workout with the high school uh, just at the high school got my workout in for the day uh let my daughters do their workout brought them home ate dinner, I played a game of Call of Duty, and then you sent me a text and was like, hey, you want to do this? Cool. So here I am doing this. Right. Whenever right. we get done with this, I'll probably play a game and then go to bed. Right. So it's like, you know, I can play four or five games in a night that's spread out over several hours, but it's at my own will. I can just sit down and play and then get up and walk away. If I die, I press the click the desk stop button and I'm done. <laughs> Yep. You know, that it is there the next day whenever I want to go back to it. Um, yeah. Versus I racing, like you're sitting down and you're you're grinding. <laughs> right. So. Uh, and I, I think it's goals too, though, because I have a lot of friends that casually play I racing yep. that, that don't grind it. And um, I think maybe your experience in the beginning of it painted you a little bit to want to be competitive and you know, have to have to feel that grind. Cause I mean, look, there's, there's guys that race RC that are 
casual RC guys. They show up, race, throw their stuff in the back of their car, and don't touch it till they come back the next time. And, um, you know, that's not how you're wired when you go to an RC race. So, um, but, you know, the age thing, right? Um, I don't think we're seeing the 20 year olds and, and the young 30s because those are typically the age group with younger kids. And, um, you know, it's really challenging. I Like, I can testify to that with a two-year-old at home, um, how challenging it is to be able to go racing for that long of a time period. And, um, you know, the, the people I saw, again, at, at, at the big race was people that, you know, enjoy being out of the house, you know, for eight, 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever it is. I mean, heck. You know, Phil Marabella is sitting back in his enclosed trailer watching World of Outlaw Sprints on a big screen TV. I mean, he brought his house with him, you know. So, I mean, that's just, and that's what he enjoys. And so, you know, that's, there's got to be a balance. You got to have um, something for those guys that do enjoy being out. But then there need, if we want growth and sustained growth, there's got to be an option uh, to have a short event. Um so hopefully, hopefully some people can uh, try it, um, try some things. Hopefully it'll stick. And uh, yeah, Dustin, your your audio is fine. So just keep talking. Okay. Um. So yeah, I and, and I and I and I would agree. And you, you actually kind of hit on something that that I've often said with within RC racing is, you know you. You said like it, I racing doesn't have to be a grind. RC racing doesn't have to be a grind either. Um, you know, and and it's funny because it's being a as a lack of terms of sounding arrogant here. Um, being a top being a top level racer, I feel like I'm a top level racer. Um, you know, I've put my time in to get there, um, but being that. I'm genuinely envious of the guy who goes and wins a club show and is like super pumped that he won a club show. Right. Um, because I remember whenever I was there, like RC racing was so much more fun when that were the case. Oh yeah. I can, I, I, me being me and me being wired the way I am and as competitive as I am. Um, like I can finish second at the chili bowl an outlaw sprint and I'm like, I'm genuinely disappointed. Like that's not good enough for me. Right. Um, you know, and there's people that are going to listen to that and be like, this guy's an idiot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. 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 Um, but you know, but that's, I'm, that's where I say like, I'm envious of that person that it's truly a hobby to them to just race and have fun. And like, pull off a win at a club show to them is, is really cool. Like I'm jealous right. because I, I don't know. It like it, they're a club show for me. is It's just not that anymore. And, right. and that sucks. And that's probably one of the reasons why I don't club race as much is because mm-hmm. I, I don't get that, that high, so to speak of, of, of winning a club show. Um, you know, sure. And when I go club race, 
half the time whenever I'm club racing, I'm club racing against national talent. Like, I'm going and racing against some of the best guys in the nation at a club show. So, like, I'm beating the best um, if I'm winning that. And it is still, it's just, you know, but for me and with the business and everything else, it's still a grind. It's not like I'm just going and racing to have fun. I'm going to test this part or test that part or do this or do that. So, um, yeah. Having a place for the, the the casual RC racer, it, it's important. It's very important, and I think that that's that's one thing. Back to figuring out how to get a quicker show in, will will gain that type of racer. Absolutely, more so than more so than some of the other ideas that people have had. Yep. Um. All right. So I don't want to keep you away from your gaming all night. Um. <laughs> or, or or my gaming for that matter. Which, by the way, let me just put a, put a plug out there. Um, I made a post on the Facebook page, and and Dustin made a post on his uh, racing page. Maybe I don't know. Whatever the Dustin Malacote, uh page, not not his personal account. Uh, looking for players because we're gonna try to have some league play or private matches, but we need a lot of people. And we might even have some tournaments. So um, if you're an RC racer and, and you enjoy that thing, um, make sure you add me or him. And um, we'll try to get some of those games going. So that should be fun. But um, what's 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 in the pipeline for 57 uh, and GFRP and all those good things? What, what's, what's on the horizon? Oh, man. We're working on tons of stuff. So... Uh, GFRP wise, uh, rubber tire cars, we came out with new ones basically at the end of last year, you know, they're 2020 cars. So we're pretty well set on those as far as the, the rubber tire side of it right now. Um, foam tire side of it, you know, the, the two platforms that we have are both really good right now. Um, I would say the platform that we're really not that great in right now is the mod sprint. Um, we did a conversion for a car similar to like what I ran last year at the showdown and what several of the guys are running this year at the showdown. Um, we did a conversion deal with that and I think we've kind of tested it long enough that a lot of guys are very happy with it. So that's probably something that I need to go ahead and, and get truly released from the GFRP platform. Uh, one thing that I'm kind of, in limbo on with that is I'd really like to get a new transmission case uh, machine so we can have the updated transmission parts with it. Um, okay. Just to, just to kind of give that uh, an upbringing, so to speak, uh, right. get into this century <laughs> <laughs> whenever it comes to diff parts. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's something from the GFRP standpoint that, that I'm working on is uh, trying to go ahead and get another mod plant released. Um, the direct drive sprint, it's, there's a few guys that are trying some different stuff with them, but for the most part, pretty much running the same stuff we've had. Um, it's nothing real super new in the works there. Um, late model stuff. I know that, uh, Barry's been selling, I don't even know what he calls it, but it's basically, it's, it's like our 20, uh, 2019 car, um, it's, a, it's like a South version, so to speak. Um, okay. Kind of like how Jack and all those guys down there uh, run their car. 
So the guys are kind of able to buy a car more similar with, to what they run down there and have gotcha. the, the parts already on it that they run down there. Right. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of where we are with the GFRP stuff. The five seven stuff. Um, new podium getting ready to come out. Um, again, it's, it's a chassis upgrade. I mean, all the shock towers, everything else is all the same. So not anything revolutionary there. Um, right. Sprint car wise, we're working on a whole new platform and been working on that for a while. And I'm just now finally getting a few of those actually built to where hopefully a few other guys can start running them. Um, Brad, Brad Shearer and CJ Greaves, um, up in Wisconsin have been kind of helping me out quite a bit with that car, mainly CJ as far as communications with me, but I know CJ and Brad have been working close together on that. Um, Dre Meyer is building one of those cars right now to, to give it a go. Chad Jones has ran it a few times. Um, I personally have not even got to run one yet. So, um, I'm building one myself. Hopefully I can get it out and get to running it sometime soon. So we start getting going with it. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm guessing that car is not going to be a, a released car until like maybe this time next year. Mm-hmm. If, if things go well. Right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a ways out. Yeah. It's, I mean, doing that stuff, by the time you get a, a design that you actually like, it takes a long time from that point just to get it, everything together, especially whenever we're doing a full car kit, like we're going to do for it. So mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be a conversion deal. It's just going to be a, you buy it and it's everything here. So there you go. Kind of working on that. Um, the prodigy stuff is, no, obviously we're on a 2020 Prodigy, so nothing major works there. Uh, a lot of people are trying all kinds of different stuff. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good, bad, uh, a headache for me at times. You know, I got, I got guys that love it. I got guys that hate it. I got guys that are somewhere in between. They love it one day, they hate it the next day. Right. Um, so it's you know, but that's typical with all cars and, and sure, sure. especially with my team guys because they're just my team guys and they are what they are at times. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know that it's just getting getting everybody happy and kind of getting everybody on on the same page and you know with, with COVID and like COVID kind of killed the beginning of the the time when I'd actually have time to go race. And then by the time it had kind of settled down, I was full on soccer coaching mode. So I didn't have any of that time to where I could go personally test stuff. And, you know, it's, I'm pretty picky whenever it comes to a lot of stuff. I love hearing ideas from guys that I trust and everything else. And then just try to muddle my way through all that. And then build something, let them test it. And then me go test it as well. Um, it's just, it's just a long process. Um, and yeah, so unfortunately nothing happens too quick, but that's also why I do feel like when we release something, people have a lot of faith in the fact that it has been tested and it is going to be quality. And I I don't think there's, I mean, it's, to me, it's now it's small refining, you know, it's not like, um, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, really 20 for that matter. Um, 
where there was so much just constant evolving and changing. Um, now it's just trying to fine tune minor things and improve on minor things. I could be totally wrong. I don't think there's going to be something that comes out. It's just like so revolutionary. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is such a, you know, game changer, but maybe it will. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you say game changer because honestly, like whenever I look back to like the last 10 years, and dirt oval RC racing, the game changer arms, the, the adjustable yes, yeah. rear toe arms that the customers came out with. And it's actually kind of funny because, you know, the, in the promotion video, they, I think that's where the game changer thing is. They, they said it was going to be a game changer. And I just remember so many people like just laughing at it. Like, yeah, yeah whatever, like this, whatever game changer, come on, quit being full of yourselves. And it's like, no, 100%. Like, that was a game changer. It's big time. Like, Arnie Fi, that dude needs a lot of credit right there. He freaking, he came out with something that was really, really well thought out. It was well designed. It's still the best design. I mean, they patented it for a reason. You know, yeah. it's, I, he, wasn't, he wasn't the first one to have adjustable rear arms. Right. I mean, there were other companies that had them at that time. Um, but and the method that they did it and how they did it, um, and just the fact that they molded it and made it available for everybody, um, right. it was a game changer. Because I can tell you right now, that's it's one of the things that I wish we could get rid of, though, um, oh, and not necessarily on. just their arms. It's just just the toe itself is uh, created a headache and a lot of. In a lot of ways, as far as just making the cars drivable for for other people, for average racers. So thirteen in um, and eight out but, is just awesome, right? You're not racing if you're not running that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I I remember it. It had to have been like 2010 ish, 2009, yeah. 2010, something like yeah. that. Uh. One of my buddies from New York, we were racing EDMs, and at that time, we, I mean, everything up to that point, it was, it was straight up, zero toe. That's all we ever ran. And I remember I made a toe block that was a one-degree toe block. Right. One-degree toe block. <laughs> and we were putting those on the left rear only. And he said, man, if you got to add toe to your car, your car is just not working. Yeah. Like, you need to fix your car. And it's like, and he doesn't race anymore, and he had kind of messed with it a few years ago, and he said something to me about toe. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty nuts, isn't it? And he's like, dude, I never in my life would have dreamt that we'd be running the toe that we run now. And I'm like, right. and that was a few years ago. Now if he knew what the heck we run, <laughs> he'd be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's insane, um, but it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's probably, I think, if there was a dirt oval museum, you know, the the customer's game changer arm would definitely be one of the greatest innovations in dirt oval. It would have to be in there. Uh, nah, yeah, oh, innovation. Yeah. We'll we'll say that. Like again, I know there was other arms before it, but just the way that they put it all together. Um, you know, hey, Steve Jobs didn't invent the uh, smartphone, but that dude took it and made it accessible to everybody. So, 
Yep, 100%. <sighs> All right, well, look, man, um, I got to get kids in bed, and then I got to get some video games in tonight. So, Dustin, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, any, anybody you need to thank? Oh, whoa, 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 stop. No, no, no. One last thing. Uh-oh, yeah, back one, up, back uh, up. One there last thing. Um, what, what has to happen to get Chad Jones on this show? get Chad Jones on the show? Yes, because I've, I've literally I, been I trying think, for two years. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're just going to have to, like, I think people need to post in on the RC Dirt Oval Facebook page and tag Chad in every single post that, that you guys want him on there because his constant response is nobody wants to hear from me. Yeah. So every time I get a chance, I make a plug in there and kind of harass him about it. And uh, I know last year, I think it was last year at the Chili Bowl. Might have been the year before. No, it was last year because you weren't there. And it was at the time whenever they were sending you the, uh, or everybody was signing the shirt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was that two years ago? It was two years ago, 19. I don't know. Two years ago, yeah. He was making some smart aleck comments. So I had to go to Facebook live immediately and interview him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was, uh, it was pretty funny just because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Chad's Chad. He, he's, uh, he's a humble person in, in that regard as far as he just doesn't think that anybody would care to listen to his story, so to speak. But yeah, but he's got such he's a wealth. I think he's got a lot more respect. I think he's got a lot more respect from other people than what he thinks. Oh, dude, there's no doubt. No doubt. And if worse comes to worse, because I doubt Motorama is going to happen this year, but uh, 2022 Motorama, I'm going to secretly record a conversation with him. Nothing else. So, Chad, you've been served notice. Would you rather knowingly be recorded or would you rather secretly you recorded so it's your choice um let's get it done all right man well sounds I, like a deal yeah it was good um it's good to be back doing it and uh dustin will get you back on again and um till next time guys that's a wrap <laughs> <laughs>